Well, amen. I, I like the Perry singing that, but I love them singing that tonight. That was a blessing, and it reminded me, uh, I guess about six and a half years ago, Miss Barbara sang that here, and she used to sing it all the time, and I know she's watching right now, but I, I do love that song. Did I mention, and that's one of my favorites, hadn't heard it in a minute, and I appreciate Abby, y'all singing that tonight. We're going to continue. We started last week. Um, looking at roles, relationships, and rewards, and we uh, discussed uh, really just setting the foundation of what God intended from creation when it came to the roles of men and women as far as uh, the biological roles, the scriptural roles, and of course this is an important foundational thing um, for where we're at right now in our world and in our country, especially the things that we're facing right now, and we talked a lot about that last week, about how uh, as believers, we make our decisions based on truth and the scriptures, not on feeling. And culture bases their decisions based on feeling. If I feel like this, then that's my truth, and that's what I can do, and that's what I will do, um, regardless of what anyone else says, regardless of what uh, biology says, regardless of what the scriptures say. And we understand as believers, <clears throat> the Word of God is our final authority. We don't and there's a lot of people that will say that, but we believe that. We believe that. We preach it, and we believe that this book, if this book says it, that's where we stand. We can do no other. Tonight, we're going to kind of shift gears a little bit more into the practical. Uh, we're going to look at three things as we work straight through the Word of God tonight. We're going to go textually through an entire chapter of the Bible tonight and look at what does the Bible say about the roles of men, the roles of women, and the role of children. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter number 5, and we're going to start in verse number 1, and uh, we're going to read through this here in just a minute. I want to uh, just set some groundwork here, and we'll only scratch the surface of this tonight. Obviously, in a 40-minute period, there's not, we can't cover everything, but specifically the roles as it relates to marriage and as it relate, relates to the family. Um, the family is absolutely under attack in our world. We would all uh, understand that and see that. Ephesians chapter 5, we'll get there in just a minute. Um, I want to read uh, you a couple verses, and I think, Philip, do we have these on the screen for tonight? Uh, Genesis chapter number 1, we saw last week that God created men and women to have dominion, to be fruitful, and to multiply, and to replenish the earth. Genesis 1.27 says this, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So right there from creation, uh, we saw that there's two genders, male and female. And he brings them together as a team. And as we talked about this last week, man, he, he specifically tells him from the beginning to be fruitful, to multiply, to replenish and to have dominion. Men, women, and humans are over, they are above, and this is important. This may even sound humorous to us, but man, there's people that don't believe this. They are over and above animals, okay? And I love my dogs, but my dog is not the same as, and I know they're part of our family, and I love, I know you have your fur babies, okay? But can I just say, they're not the same as humans are. God created us to have dominion over them, over the fish, over the sea, over the fowl of the air, and the, the Word of God says this specifically, over every living thing that, that moveth upon the earth. Now, we are above God's other creation, 
All right? And there's people today that don't believe that. There's people that will treat a, an animal better than they'll treat another human being. And that's sad. Um, that's not what God has intended. Men and women, humans are over, above, different than animals. God created man and women. And then God instituted the family. The family and marriage isn't man's idea. It is God's idea. Genesis 2-7. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. And he breathed in it his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Verse number 15. And the Lord God took man and he put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So we saw he gave man responsibility from the beginning. And then Genesis 2-18. And the Lord God said... It is good that man should, that man should not be alone. I will make a help meet for him. So as we transition to this next part, we must remember that companionship is part of God's plan, bringing men and women together. It wasn't good for man to be alone. So the order was God created man, God created woman to help meet. And then in Genesis chapter 2, verse number 22, and Adam said, this is now bone of my bone. Flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman. And y'all, if you weren't here last week, I don't want you to miss this awesome joke. They came out, Adam came up with that name woman because when he saw Eve, he said, Whoa, man, okay. Just in case you weren't here last week, I wanted you to feel that, all right. Um, Because she was taken out of the man, verse 24. It was a lot funnier last week, wasn't it? Therefore, shall a man leave his father. His mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. I want to just establish this right off the bat, scripturally. The family is God's idea. It's God's plan. It's what he has designed. The team between man and woman is God's idea. Replenishment and reproduction is God's idea, and it's God's plan. We saw last week the institution of marriage is designed by God. No man can change what God ordained or created. We talked about this marriage is a heterosexual monogamous relationship. Basically that means man and woman, one for life. That's what God's original intent was. We talked about how God makes no mistakes. If he made you a man, you're a man. If he made you a woman, you're a woman. That's based on truth of scripture and the truth of biology. Feeling must be taken out of it. And then God has a plan and purpose for marriage. That we studied last week. So what does the Bible then say about the roles of men women, and children. We saw a lot about what culture says. Culture says you base your identity on how you feel. Scripture says it's on truth, what the Scripture says. And roles are the same way. There's two genders based on biology and on creation. The family as instituted by God is this. It's man, woman, and if, if God blesses you with children. Man and women leaving and cleaving and replenishing is God's plan. This is what the family looks like. And just as a side note here, the culture and the world is trying to attack all of this right now. And they've subtly done it <clears throat> to the point where it doesn't even bother us anymore. Okay? It started out by a kid having two dads or a kid having two moms, okay? And really, it all started back when, when we didn't... I believe part of the root problem of this is 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, we didn't preach on divorce hard enough, all right? And then, and I know there's good people that are divorced. My parents were divorced. I get all that. Some, there's great people in here that, man, there's just, that's part of life. That happens, and it's unfortunate, and it stinks, and it hurts every single time. But understand that God's original intent was for men, men and women to come together to marry and to be together for life. So what we want to look at tonight is this. 
how does a family function, men, women, and children? What does the Bible say about roles? So you might say it this way. A family, if you have a family, and thank God for families. Let me just say this. Thank God for single moms that raise their kids, by the way. I had one. I thank God my mom, when my dad was an idiot and left. Okay, and by the way, any deadbeat dad that leaves his family isn't worth his weight and salt. Somebody say amen right here. Ought to be, we have one of the biggest problems in this country is a fatherless problem. Men think they're man enough to bring them into the world, but they're not man enough to, pro, to provide for them. They're not man enough to raise them. Listen, if, you, if you're man enough to take care of business there, you'd be man enough to pay for them. It's, it's, it's sad what's going on. I'm talking about Christian men that sit in church that walk out on their kids. They should be locked up, in my opinion. That's, 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 anyhow, I'm going to move on before I get some of y'all mad. Family is a team, Okay? Just like a team, and I want to try to explain this the best I can, just like a team has different positions, families have different positions. So if you're to go out on a basketball team, and I don't know if you know much about sports. I used to like sports and stuff, but because of those big babies too, I don't like it anymore. Professional sports make me throw up in my mouth, okay? But, um, amen right there. Yes, I finally got an amen out of some people. Man, this is good. We're heading in the right direction. Um, just like on a basketball team, if you have different positions, man, you're going to have your point guard, you're going to have your shooting guard, you're going to have your center, you're going to have your forward. If the center, I remember growing up, some of the tallest guys on the court was wanting to jack up three-pointers. That wasn't his position. And can I just tell you what ends up happening? Typically, if he ain't playing his position, what ends up happening? You're going to lose. I mean, you ever been watching little kids play soccer? Have you ever watched that before? None of them know their position. It's like a beehive running around a ball. There's a kid sitting back here picking flowers out of the grass, watch, chasing butterflies. Some of you were that kid. You were the kid I wanted to kill on my team, okay? It's like, man, do something else. If you're going to do that, maybe sports isn't your thing, okay? The point is this. If a person on a team doesn't fulfill the role in their position, what ends up happening to that team? It's going to lose, okay? It's, it's going to be dysfunctional. There's going to be headbutting. Somebody's going to get yelled at. Somebody's going to get hurt. Man, there's going to be some problems. You're going to go in the locker room. I went to a Christian school. We still got cussed out in the locker room, okay? It's, it's going to be problems. The family, if mom and dad, husband, wife, and the children aren't fulfilling their role or their position that God intended, I'm just telling you, there's going to be problems. There's going to be issues. So the, the question then comes up, what are the roles what are the positions? What does that look like? What does this family as a team look like? For this team to win, each one of us has to be fulfilling our role or position. Man, these different positions, and let me just state this as clear as I can. By the way, it's International Women's Day today, and I couldn't think of a better sermon to preach on a night like this, okay? We're going to use the word submission on that day, okay? Just tell all your friends, okay? Um, these different positions, this is what's important. And we got to understand this, because some jerk pastors have really messed with this over the years, and men, by the way. These positions are not based on intellect, worth, abilities, or spirituality. Okay? And that's where it has nothing to do with any of that. And sometimes they've made it about that, okay? These different positions, you know what they're for? They're for, they're for functionality, it's the way God intended it. It has nothing to do with who's smarter or who's stronger. I mean, there's plenty of smart women. Amen? I mean, would y'all, ladies, y'all can say amen right there. I mean, it has nothing to do with that. And there was a time where that stuff was preached. You're like, you know, it had to do with it. It doesn't have to do with that. It has to do with functionality. Turn to Ephesians 5. We're going to work straight through this text, verse by verse. I'm going to give you ten things concerning roles, okay, tonight. Ten things. It's a very long outline for me, I know. We usually do three. We've got ten tonight, all right? So look at, look at verse number one. 
of Ephesians chapter 5 because this is where it all starts. Many times we would hop right down to verse number 23 and we forget the first 22 verses. And we want to teach the Bible in context, don't we? We want to see the foundation for all of it. The foundation for a great family and a functioning family is found in verse number 1. Look at it. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. So the first thing he says, and, and Phil, I'm going to work through this whole text and we'll come back and I'll, we'll give the points to write down. Be therefore followers. So what's the, what's the first thing that he says here? This is the staple passage on marriage. He says the first thing that's got to happen, you've got to be followers of Jesus. You've got to be followers of Christ. Man, if we're going to function, man, we've got to have that first. We are headed the same direction. We are following Jesus. If one spouse is not following Jesus and the other one is and that happens all the time, man, there's going to be some issues. There's going to be some problems. The, in a perfect world, guess what? They're following together. In a good marriage, they're going to be following together. In our Christian marriages, they should be following together. Look at verse number two. And walk in love as Christ also have loved us and given himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God, a sweet-smelling uh, savor. But then look at this. So he starts out, be followers of Jesus. Man, if we're gonna, we've got to follow him, man. We've got to know him. We've got to follow him. And then, it looks, and then he's going to give some things that we must avoid if our family is going to function properly. And I'm telling you, this stuff, I deal with it every single day with people. The stuff we're talking about tonight. These verses, if we can get a hold of these, it, and we claim these, and we live by these, it will change our lives. Look at the first one, verse 3. But fornication and uncleanliness and covetousness. Notice these words. If you write in your Bible, underline these. Let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. So it starts out with that word fornication. Man, that adultery, that sexual sin. Let me just say this as, as kindly as I can. Sex outside of marriage is wrong no matter what it is. Teenagers, it's wrong. Male, female, it's wrong. Does everybody track with me? Male, male, it's wrong. Female, female, it's wrong. And it's sad we've got to say that stuff in the culture we live in, but all of it's wrong, okay? Sex outside of what God intended in marriage is wrong. So he says that's, you've got to avoid it. And all, all, all uncleanliness, and this is the hard part too. What's the next thing he says? Or covetousness. Man, uh, covetousness. And, and that's talking about the material and someone else. Listen, if you have a wife, that's the wife you're to covet. That's the one you're to be with. If you have a husband, that's the one that you are to be with. Lust isn't just sexually, by the way. It's wanting anything else, anyone else, or any, okay? It's having that covetousness. He said, listen, if we're going to have strong families, if we're going to have strong marriages, listen, adultery and fornication can't be part of it. Covetousness can't be part of it. This goes, let me, as a side note, this goes to you comparing your family to someone else's family. It's ridiculous because you're not that family. You don't really know what's going on. You may be comparing your family to someone else and you have no clue what's really going on at home. Just because they walk into church and they look put together don't mean they is. Meantime, the most put together people in the world, and I'm not saying all of them because thank God for put together people. We need some around here, praise God. But just because they look put together doesn't mean they are, okay? So you can't compare. compare Proverbs says this way, Comparing yourselves among yourselves, you are not wise. If you're not wise, you're a fool. So if you're comparing your family, your wife, your spouse, your kids to somebody else's kids, don't believe everything you read. Don't believe everything you see. Just because they look at the perfect Leave it to Beaver family on, on uh, Facebook don't mean they is. Okay, So just, man, don't compare. 
Look at verse number 4. He Some more things. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather of giving thanks. So he said, you've got to be careful about how you talk. If your family's going to be great, if your relationships are going to be great, it, 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 he ends it with this. It, it, thanksgiving and praise has to be a whole lot of part about it. So I want you to think, and we're going to come back to these each one of these here in a minute, but I just want you to think about what's your family talk about? Man, is it always other people? Are you always tearing, or if you tear down your authority, if you tear down other authority, your kids, you're tearing down your own authority. Let me just say that. If you're griping about the principal all the time, you're griping about the coach all the time, you're griping about the preacher all the time, you're griping about everybody else all the time, those, the authority that God's placed, if you're griping about your boss all the time, you know what you're teaching your kid, whether you realize it or not, that authority doesn't matter. Because all of us have authority that's been placed over. Your boss, guess who was, your boss was placed over you by? God. You're, you're, you know, that's hard stuff. Our government, man, and that stuff, tax time, I get really mad at the government, okay, every year because we, we spend all this money on taxes and our public schools are a mess, and you agree with that. Our, our police officers aren't paid enough. Our roads are a mess, all this, and we're sending billions of dollars to other countries. That's another sermon for another day. Tax time ticks me off, but we, we, we're to submit to those authorities until they move outside of what God, God, God says. That, that's our boss, all right? So when we're tearing them down. We've got to be giving thanks. Look at verse 5. And I've got to hurry through this. For this you know, and don't you love the Bible words, that no whoremonger nor unclean person, and, it, it, and it, it's interesting how it switches gears here, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of God. So, I mean, again, he says, we've got to know this. Let no man deceive you with vain words. Because of these things cometh wrath of God of the children of, of disobedience. Verse 7, be ye not therefore not partakers with them. He reminds us of something in verse number 8. Remember who you are in the Lord. For ye were sometimes in darkness, but if you're saved, where are you now? You're no longer in darkness, but where are you? But you are now in light in the Lord. Walk as dear children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful uh, works of darkness, but rather reprove him. For it is even a shame to speak of those things which are done in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest of the light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. And then he says this. This is how we are to walk. And remember, this is all introduction leading up to marriage, leading up to the family. Look at verse number, verse number 15. See then that ye walk circumspectly. That means be aware. That means get your head out of the sand. Know what's going on in your culture. Know what's going on around here, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not wise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So what is the will of the Lord? It's what the Word of God says. God's will and God's Word always agree. And we're about to go into some stuff that sometimes we don't agree with, but it's what it says in the Word. Verse 18. Be not drunk with wine. He talks about this drunkenness because it's excess. But what? Be filled with the Spirit. Man, allow the Spirit to control you. Then verse number 19. Speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms, singing and making melody in, the, in your heart to the Lord. Remember, he's, he's given us some principles here as we be followers of Christ. Avoid sin. Man, be a person that gives thanks. Be a person that's worshiping. And he's, all of this is leading into what a great family looks like. Great families, as a side note, let me just start, stop here. It starts with great Christians. That's why the passage starts this way. 
If you're going to be a great mom and dad, if you're going to be a great uh, child, if you're going to be a great leader in any way, it starts with you being a good Christian first. All of this is the foundation before we get there. Look at verse number 20. Giving thanks always for all things, God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then here we go. Look at this. We don't like these words. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So right off the bat, who does it say needs to submit? Is that just talking to the wife? Is that just talking to the woman? No, it's, who's it, it's yourselves. It's that idea here of a team. That marriage and that family being a team. All right, So submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Verse number 22. Don't get mad at me. I'm just reading what the Bible says here. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. It does not get any clearer than that. Okay? That is very bold. And we're going to come back to each one of these and talk about them. It says, you're, you're to, wives, you're to submit to your husband. That's what the Bible says. That's not a great area. That's not a gray area. That's what God's Word says. Look at verse number 23. We don't like the words here. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, let wives be to their own husbands in everything. But then look at verse number 25. Husbands, Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. By the way, you won't find it saying that love, it doesn't say one time in this passage that wives are to love their husbands, but it says multiple times they're to submit. It's an interesting, interesting thought here. Verse, verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man have ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and his bones. And here it is. For this we, we talked about. This is from the beginning. This is from creation. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see, we don't, we, this is tough stuff. And I know on both sides it's tough. But notice these words. But the, the wife see that she reverence for her husband. All right. So we started out talking about this. There's team roles. Right. We're a team. Family's a team. We just read... Man, we just read about, how many verses was that? 33 different verses. And then if you go into chapter 6, look at verse number 1. We'll read these and we're just going to talk. Verse number 6, it doesn't start there. Now it just kind of transitions quickly to children. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long upon the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. So, Right off the bat, we, we said, hey, we're a team. Every team has positions, and every team has roles. So there are some mutual roles that we all have. Before we get to the husband and we get to the wives, we get to the children, all of us, every team member says there back in verse number one, the first thing that it said is this. Every one of us, if our family's going to function in God's will where it needs to be, we've got to be followers of Jesus, Okay. Being a follower of Jesus is more than just saying that you're saved and you're a Christian. Being a follower of Jesus, guess what it means? It means following Jesus, okay? There's a big difference. 
There's a lot of people that pray a prayer and I believe believe in their heart and confess with their mouth who Jesus is, but then they never grow. Man, they just kind of stagnate. They never get listen, I'm talking about if we're gonna if our families, y'all listen to me, are gonna be what God's intended to be, we've got to be on a pursuit of Jesus. That means mom, that means dad, you gotta be in the word and you gotta have a relationship with him. Your fa- listen, your family, you can't expect your kids to be something that you're not. You can't expect your kids to fulfill a role when you're not fulfilling your role. You can't expect your kids to be obedient (laughs) when you're not obedient. You ever ever said to your kids, do what I say, not what I do? That's a terrible thing to say. Do what I say, not what I do. What kind of example is that? And we've all said it. I've said it. We all have. But listen, you have, just like your babies have a role to play, you expect, I expect Caitlin, like in our house, we don't mess around. We didn't mess around. Caitlin said, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, and still does to us. That's just how we, we were old school. Like we, I remember she got her butt beat for calling an adult by her first name. And I'm not, I know we're living in different times. I get that. And I'm not preaching about that. That's just how we rolled. Because our parents had instilled respect and submission in us. And that's what we did in our house. That we believe that's what the Bible taught. That if mom and dad said something, as long as we're in the authoritative place we need to be, by God, she needs to be in her place. Is everybody, she needs to be in her role. She needs to fill her role. But here's where it starts. With us following, with us being in our role. How are we going to expect our kids to follow and listen to us? And I know I'm not trying to be mean to you, but I want you to think with me. I mean, like if you have some authority over you and they're telling you to do something, but you know they don't believe it and they're your boss or something, are you going to want to do it? Heck no. Right? You think our kids are dumb? Well, some of them. (laughs) No! If they don't, listen, if we drag them to church and we tell them that Jesus is the way and God's on the throne, but we never act like it, they never see us pray, they don't ever see us bring our Bible to church, they see us talk every which way. They see us be jerks to people that don't know the Lord. I mean, what, does that tell them and teach them that we're following Jesus? Or does that, what does that say? No, we're not. And listen, and I'm not saying being perfect. Y'all know me, man. Y'all know what I believe. I believe we're imperfect people. But when it comes to following, they know if we're following Jesus or not. They know if we're pursuing Christ or not. They know. So that the first thing he says, if we're going to have part of our team role, and part of your team role is to follow Jesus. The second thing he says in verse number two is then walk in love. There's got to be real love, and that real love has got to be in the home. And I've shared this with you. Many times, I'll deal with people all day, and then I, get frust- I, then I go home, and I've been frustrated from dealing with other people. And guess who I take that out on so often? The ones that are closest to me. And you may be a lot different than that. But many times, I pre- treat people, I treat people that I don't even know and don't even really like better than we treat our own spouses. And better than we treat our own kids. We'll say things to them that we would never say to someone else. I've been guilty of it before. Man, we'll say, we've got to walk in love, and that love starts in the home. You know who you should love more than anybody in the world? Those people that live under that roof with you. Man, you ought to love your family. Man, man, you ought to love your spouse. Man, you ought to love those babies. Man, there ought to be something inside of you when somebody messes with your family that burns inside of you. Right? I mean, I tell you, you can mess with me. I don't care. You can call me whatever. You mess with Sarah, you're going to have a problem, dude. I go out of, I'll go out of preacher mode real fast. Right? I mean, that's just how it rolls. You ought to love your family. 
Man, you ought to walk in love. They ought to know. your kid. I love you is something that even tough guys should be saying to their wives and to their kids. He says, walk in love. And then verses 3 through 14, he known, you want to have a good family? He named a bunch of them. He said, avoid sin. First one he starts out with was sexual sin. That, that relationship, that intimate relationship is only, it's only for that marriage relationship. And y'all say, why are we preaching this? Because, man, I can, I can start naming names of people that sat in these pews, man. My own dad that went outside of those confines. And let me tell you what it does. It, it breaks hearts. It will kill you. And let me just say this. If you're messing around, I'm just being blunt. I know I talk plain about this stuff. But I've had to sit across that desk with that mama weeping. Man, I've sat on that other side of that desk with that dad whose wife's out messing around because she started messaging somebody on Facebook. I've been down those roads with families. I've sat across with that teenage boy as he's weeping because daddy's not coming home again. Can I just say this? Stop messing around. If God has you in a relationship right now, hey, and that other person's an idiot, you pray that God gets a hold of their heart. But even if they're going to be an idiot, you serve God. You do what you know to do. I know you can't control your spouse. Amen? You, you can't. But you know who you can control? You can control you. We've got to make sure our thoughts are right. We've got to make sure our hearts are pure when it comes to these sin issues. And, and the thing that I've seen tear families apart more over the last 10 years of my ministry is the sexual issues. And what I found is every single one of them, the person that messes up, when they come back, it never was what they thought it was going to be. Because the grass ain't greener on the other side. You've heard me say it before. You know where it's greener? Over the septic tank. I watched my dad run off with one of my mom's friends. And when I went up there to visit him before he died, they didn't have a pot to pee in. The way of the transgressor is hard. Y'all listen to me. They may look, they may act like it's a good time. They may, and I'm just, I'm just telling you, I'm just, I know this is a little hard preaching tonight. But I, I've seen, I've, I've, I've been through the heartbreak of it personally, corporately, individually. Let me tell you, it brings nothing, it ain't going to bring you more happiness. It's going to bring you more heartache. Man, I remember I had to change my last name as a kid because my dad left. I had to get adopted. And thank God for men and step. If you're a step parent, you adopt people. One of the most Christ-like things in the world you can do is that. Thank God for every single mom or every single dad that raises their kids. Let me just say it this way and we'll move on. If you're messing around, get it right. Don't do it. It ain't worth it. When the dust settles, there's nothing but guilt and shame. It ain't worth it. It's never worth it. I've never seen it where it's worth it. Stay, stay, listen, just stay right, man. Guard your heart. Avoid that sin. You want a great family, man, keep your head in the right space. Verses 15 through 17, follow God's plan. Man, that's a, that's a huge part of it. Then it says in verses, verses, verses 18 through 20, and this is a huge part of it. Man, be grateful and full of praise. You know, some of our homes, they're either hell on earth or they're heaven on earth. And all of them have probably been hell on earth at some time, and you want them to be heaven on earth, okay? I know that. But you know one of the things that can just change your home, guys, as parents? Man, if we're just people that are thankful and full of praise. You know nobody wants to come home into a place where it's just miserable all the time. I'm thankful that I had some parents that, man, they were just, it was just a good environment. Now, they, got, they would have fights like everybody else. I mean, everybody has fights. Everybody has arguments. I mean, every once in a while, Sarah will get mad at me and try to argue with me, but I ain't doing it. You know what I mean? I ain't going down that road. She wants to. That's her business. 
But man, be a place of gratefulness and, and praise. You know, after we've been married for a minute, y'all listen to me. The things that we used to be thankful for, we start to expect. You know what I mean? Like those small things, those little things. Man, just be grateful. Even with our kids, man. Be grateful and be thankful. I want you to just evaluate something real quick and so we'll move on. Is your, is your house, when it comes to the verbal communication there, is it all negativity all the time? Think about your house right now. You're the one who can change that. Speaking positive words, kind words, good words. doesn't have to be. Your, the Christian home doesn't have to be full of friction all the time. That's not God's plan for your family and for your home. Be thankful and be grateful. Kind words, we're going to come back to this in a minute, can go a long way. Be grateful and full of praise. Literally in the text here, it talks about singing and worshiping and being thankful to God first. So then verse number next, verse number 21, it says this, the first thing, submit to each other. What in the world does that mean? What does it mean to submit to each other? Let me just quickly explain this. It means this, men... It's us, and this is hard, man, sometimes. This is hard for all of us. Men, putting her needs, her wants, and her desires before your own. Women, putting her, his needs, his desires, and his wants above your own. A lot of the reason we have conflict and we have issues and the team isn't functioning to where it could is because we're selfish. Instead of putting that other person's wants, needs, and desires above our own, we're putting our wants, our needs, our desires upon our... Listen, this is where the financial issues come in. This is where the sexual issues come in. This is where the selfish issues and just the, the fighting comes in. So we have to submit to each other. Man, putting that other person first. Then it says in verse 22 through 24, and these are tough verses, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. So it starts by saying here, wives, submit to your husband's leadership. And let me say men under this. For her to submit to your leadership, you must be leading. <laughs> and leading, listen, leading does not mean domineering and dictating. And that's why we used to hear. I used to hear all these preachers. Man, I remember, bless God, you need to submit. You know, they get up, and if the guy's being a moron, I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, that doesn't make sense, like, you know. So we gotta, we got to use common sense when it comes to this. And I, I've mentioned this a lot lately, but if a man, is, if a man, a Christian man and a Christian woman who both really love Jesus and they're following Jesus, if he's doing, and if she sincerely knows it, what you're, that you're doing, that she's going to submit to you. If you're both following Jesus and you both want it to work, she will. Headship of one, listen, doesn't mean inferiority to the other. It's about functionality. Uh, men's role is under this, uh, uh, under the wife submitting to his leadership. First of all, he's got to be the provider and the protector. Do you know that's what God has intended for men? And hasn't the culture tried to mess that up? Men, and I've said it before, we have this issue, all these ads about toxic masculinity, uh, my, my hind leg. Masculinity is something people are scared of anymore. God's plan for men was to be men. And that doesn't have to do, and I know I'm not trying to, that doesn't mean to do with hunting. I'm not talking about, and people sometimes say that. No. It means fulfilling your role. Being a man is standing for Jesus and leading your family. What, what's happened to men and the reason that wives don't want to submit is because we, we're so stinking passive about everything. 
We won't make a decision. We won't take a stand. We're scared to say no. We're scared to say things like, no, you ain't watching that. And I don't suggest you go home if you've been an idiot for the last 10 years and start doing this stuff. <laughs> you might want to take some baby steps here. Don't go home tonight, take, take your daughter's wardrobe and throw it in the front yard, okay? I'm not saying to do that. But maybe you kind of reevaluate, am I, lead, am I leading my home? Am I the spiritual leader or is she? Huh? We shouldn't be the thermometer in that room, men. We should be the one thermostat. We should be deciding the direction for our families. And if we're start deciding the right direction, guess what she's going to do? I'm just telling you. There ain't a woman in here, if you, if you woke up as a man tomorrow morning and you were in the Word every day and you, you were excited about church and you were down on the altar holding her hand and you started praying with her every night, there's not one. If she loves Jesus, you know what she'd be doing back? She'd probably have a heart attack. I'd be visiting a hospital tomorrow, but after the heart attack. But that's what, that's what leadership is, man. It's us falling in love with Jesus and us following Him. That was God's plan for us, provider and protector. On the side note, men, and I've said this already once, but I want to say it again just in case they didn't hear it online and somebody wants to take me out of contact. Men, if you're man enough to bring them into this world, you're man enough to take care of them. Man that won't pay child support, you're a loser. That's what it, that's, there's no other way to put it. There's no kind way to put it. Provider and protector. Leadership. Lead by example. Set the spiritual temperature. Don't be toxic and passive. Man, be a man. It's not about... See, I, we grew up many times thinking that in the old school way is men, man, we tell our wives, we give them all this list to do. There's a story told about the one man. I've shared it here before. He had these to-do lists for, for his wife. All this stuff for her to do. He was a jerk about it. And it's all the time. Well, he ends up passing away. And he packs, you know, stuff up like you do when somebody dies. And he ends up passing away. Well, she gets, she gets remarried to another guy. And he has an awesome marriage. And, and uh, man, things are just going really well. It's 10, 15 years later. And they're cleaning out some old boxes in the, in the uh, attic. And she comes across one of those old lists from her first husband. She started just, that hair on the back of her neck started just spinning, sticking up. Kind of got angry for a minute. Well, she started re- looking over that list. She realized something. All that stuff that her husband before demanded her to do, guess what? She was doing it all without her other husband even asking her to because of the way that he loved her and the way that he led her. Many times when we demand, is everybody tracking? So just think about that. That's what, that's what submission is about. It's not about, I'm the, I'm the husband here, bless God. If you have to stand up and say you're the husband and you're the boss and you're the dad, you are none of it. It's just like playing basketball. If you're good at it, you ain't got to tell everybody. Why? Because they're going to know. They're going to know who's in charge. Right? Many times, you ever seen a parent lose it on a kid in public? Like they got their shoe and they're just beating them in the head. And there's a time for it, okay? However, most of the time, many times you know what that is? That's that parent, their failure to discipline in private because they're embarrassed in public. All of a sudden, it's a big deal. So just think about that. Wives, submit to your husband's leadership. Husbands, if we're leading properly, as we're going to look at the next, it says, husband, love your wives as Christ loved us. Husbands are called to love their wives. Wives are called to submit to their husband's leadership. It says, love them like Christ loves us. Think about this. This is, um, this is, this is forgiveness completely. This is hard stuff, man. I know the submissive one sounds hard. Loving like Christ could probably be one of the hardest things possible for a person. Because Christ's love for us, what is it? It's unconditional. <laughs> I mean, that's tough. That's real love, isn't it? It's unconditional. 
It's not based on looks. It's not based on feelings. It's not based on, is everybody, it's unconditional. That covenant relationship that you made for the man, listen, for us, we are to love them like Christ loves the church, and he gave himself for it. It's putting her needs, her wants, her desires above ours. Verse number 31, and I know we're just scratching the surface on this, and the men coming after me are really going to dive into some of this. But verse number 31, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall, notice this word, you got your Bibles open, and shall be joined. Speaks of unity. Unity comes, so think about this with me. If everybody's not playing the right position on the team, if, 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 if that forward's hogging the ball and it's supposed to be the point guard's play, is there going to be unity on that team? No. Why? Because they're not in the right position. They're going to butt heads. It's, this is about functionality, okay? Not about worth, not about intellect, not about ability. It's about God's plan for functionality. And then communication. Let me just stop and talk about this for a minute. we got three minutes left, and I've got five pages of notes left, so I'm going to get through this. Communication in our homes. Y'all listen. It should be healthy. It should be healthy communication. Proverbs 25.11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. How about this one? Proverbs uh, 18.21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Man, they should not eat the, the fruit thereof. You know what the next verse right after that verse is? It's this. It's he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. That's that verse right after death and life are in the power of the tongue. It's a proven biological fact that men and women are different. Do you know that comes to communication as well? communication as well. The Huffington Post, let me just give you two illustrations, a couple things, and I promise we'll be done. We're going to go five minutes over. Forgive me. Research was conducted by the University of Maryland on communication differences of men and women. The study found that women, on average, speak 20,000 words per day compared to men who only utter nearly 7,000 per day. It was discovered that there is a higher level of protein in the brains of women that produce a higher vocabulary than men. The bottom line is this. Women talk more than men. Okay, They're more verbal. They are more verbal than men. Not only do they talk more, but they talk differently. Okay, a study with kindergartners was carried out for the purpose of research and communication of men and women. They put mics on them, sent them off to the playground. 85% of the time, the girls were talking, even if it was to an imaginary friend, they were talking. They were always speaking. The boys, on the other hand, only spoke about 60% of the time. The vocal was way different, though. The girls were using uh, words while the boys were often making playful noises, grunts. Okay? And I know that's a blank, but they, the study they did that, we communicate differently. We talk differently. I can ride with a friend for six hours. We may not say nothing to each other. And we had the greatest time in the world. You try to do that with your wife, you're going to be in trouble. Okay? We talk differently. So I would just encourage you with this one. Men, we many times, we communicate facts, right? Like, it's get to the point. Like, somebody comes into me all emotional. Stop. Give me the facts. We want the facts. We communicate facts. Ladies communicate feelings. They want to be heard. They need to communicate. And, and sometimes I'm so dumb, just like you men... I forget about that. It happened today, okay? Some of y'all better be happy you ain't up here preaching. Sarah's up there, <laughs> you know. 
Listen, sometimes, listen, we've got we've to think about that. We talk and we communicate differently. Men, we are built for information when it comes to communication. Women are built for intimacy when it comes to communication. That's how God has made us. We've got to invest time in cultivating that communication because we are different. Healthy communication takes time and it takes work. Three commitments real quickly that will help maintain healthy communication. All right, I want to give you three things. These are huge. These are important. These are hard for me sometimes. I get home even from here sometimes, and Sarah knows this. Man, if I've sat in meetings, especially like on a Wednesday or Sunday or Tuesdays when I'm in meetings all day, I get home, the last thinking thing I want to do is talk to myself or anybody. I'm just being honest with you. But if we're going to have healthy communication, listen, the first thing that we've got to decide is this. We've got to dialogue daily. There has to be a time where we sit down and we just talk. For us, we try to eat supper together every single night around the table with the TV off. I can't remember the last time we ate supper in our living room. I can't, can you? I don't remember a time where we did. Because we know that if we don't sit down around that table, guess what we're going to do? She's going to be reading a book. I'm going to be in some YouTube hole watching some nerd thing about the Bible or People running up a mountain. I mean, I watch some absurd stuff. If you saw the stuff on YouTube, I it's a waste of time, okay, for most people. I love it. But that's what would happen. So if we don't sit around that table and just talk to each other, we could go a whole day because I'm at work all day. I'm with other people all day. Sarah's at work all day. Caitlin's at work all day. If we don't sit around that table and just have a time to talk, we will go days sometimes if we don't plan it and sit down and actually have conversations. Dialogue daily. The second one, throw it up. What's the second one up there? It's another D. Date regularly. And I know this sounds stupid. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you, if you're not doing this regularly, this is a good thing. Go out on a date. Go out to eat with each other. I get tired of people saying, I can't get a babysitter. That's what I've heard forever. Lock them kids in a closet and go out to eat. You know, I'm joking. Figure it out. Here's the thing. The things we want to do, just like the things we want to buy, guess what you'll do? You'll figure out a way. Well, preacher, we can't go away for one weekend to hear marriage. Uh, but then that's the same ones that are calling me, and I've got to leave my family to come meet with. Those are the same ones that won't show up for church where they're getting counseled every Sunday from this book. Well, I need counseling. No, you need to be in church first. You need to hear the Word of God. A lot of your problems can be solved if we're just faithful to church and we hear it from the word a lot of it but here date regularly go out on a date with just you and your wife and then this one something we practice for years is depart seasonally this is something we just learned the hard way and we only had one child so we're a lot different than many like the shrams <laughs> I mean they've got to have a church bus to make it to. we have a bus ministry it's the shram family okay we have our own bus ministry y'all bus ministry yeah we got a couple families they got like six kids you know five kids how many, how many do you have Steve you only have four? Okay. Seems like more than that. I don't know. We only had one, and I'll just tell you something that helped me and Sarah. We loved going on vacation with Caitlin. We did. We would go to Disney. We've been to Disney more times than I'd like to talk about. That kind of goes, I need to preach my other sermon from last week at Disney and see how that goes, but that's another. Um, we would go somewhere like that every year. We'd figure out a way to do it. We'd save money every month. We'd scrape. We'd listen. We there was a time God's blessed us tremendously. There was a time I remember Caitlin's room. She's her room was a walk-in closet. 
we didn't know how we were going to, but we always wanted to make sure that we'd be able to take her somewhere. But then something we started learning as we got, as, as she got a little bit older, is we needed that time alone. Because y'all listen to me, y'all listen, y'all, sometimes I say lean in, lean in and listen to me real well. There's a time coming when those babies are out of that house. And some of us, if we're not careful, we won't even know each other. Because it's been a long time since we had a date and talked. So one of the things we did, we did vacation with Caitlin. Then we tried to do something, just me and her away somewhere. Maybe it's the couples retreat. Maybe it's six weeks. Anywhere. But if you don't invest in it, I'm just telling you. These things that I'm, a date and a vacation is a whole lot cheaper than a divorce lawyer. It's a whole lot less heart-wrenching than that little girl or that little boy sitting in my office. I'm trying to explain to them why daddy ain't there no more. I'm trying to explain why mom's not there. So that's all I want to say. Just think about some of these things tonight. The last one, we didn't even get to the kids tonight. Let me give you some parenting advice real quick. Discipline them. Make sure they know who mom is and make sure they know who dad is. We're living in a world just like they've tried to jack up the roles for men and women. They've tried to jack up the roles for kids. Can I just say this? It, bring your kid, Drag your kids to church. If they're old enough to listen and hear the preaching, have them in church. You make them sit there. You make them shut up. And you make them listen. I can't tell you how many times I'd be sitting in church messing around on the second row. I'm talking about second row. And all of a sudden I hear something. Mama. Grab me by the ear. I mean, they didn't put up with a stuff. They didn't know nothing. Gentle parenting, that was heresy. Grab me by the ear, drag my tail out there, wear my butt out, come back in and sit for the rest of the service. That's just how they did it. I hated them for it then. But can I tell you something? I thank God for it now. I do. I never questioned my mama's love one time. She, man, I remember she beat me with anything. I remember we were driving down the, we were driving that mini down the road. I said something I shouldn't have said. She's grabbing for whatever she can grab. A coat hanger, man. She's, you know, took care. I'm not, I'm not saying don't do that. Okay. But man, the thing is discipline. If grounding, after a while, whoopings didn't work for me. But you know what did? If you can't, if I, we couldn't talk on the phone, that worked. We took so, took the car keys away as a 16-year-old. I remember some times like that. I remember being 18 years old and moving back home for a couple days. Daddy said, if you're under this, a couple days, I got out of there quick. Somebody help me. Daddy said, you're going to live under this house. You're going to be under my rules. I'm just saying we've got to reclaim our families. That's all I'm saying. The biblical mandates. Man, it's dad. You need to lead. Mom, you need to lead and you need to submit to it. Y'all need to submit to each other. It's a team. Children, you need to listen to mom and dad. Obey Obedience. That verse says, if you obey, your life's going to be long. I'm not saying, I'm, I'm just telling you what the word says. And I wonder if that has to do with maybe if we listen and we learn from our parents' mistakes instead of, instead of making our own. Like, I wish I would have listened to my parents more when they said, if you ever drink and drive. Y'all know, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Man, I wish I would have listened to those, the, the, some of that advice about, hey, if you would save your money instead of blow it. How many of us, our parents said that to us and we did not listen? If you run up them credit cards, I mean, we go on and on and on and on. Man, the biblical team roles. Children obey, honor, and respect. Y'all listen, don't miss next week. You're going to hear somebody with some wisdom. Robert Stetzer is going to be here and experienced. Uh, is Elizabeth here tonight? I don't think she's here. Um, but Coleman's father-in-law, uh, how many years he pastor? Pastored for 31 years. Raised godly kids is going to be here. I think that's somebody we probably need to listen to. What's he teaching on?
how to have a vision for your family. Okay. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's what it is. He's going to be teaching on how to have a vision with your family. I think that's important, right? If we're going to lead, we've got to know where we're going. Um, he's going to be teaching on that. And then Pastor Josh Cox is going to be here. Then Pastor Harold Blankenship. Do not miss. It, it, I don't know about next week, but you won't want to miss Josh's and Harold's because they, I'm, I'm like PG compared to them dudes, okay? So listen, just be here. You're going to want to be here. They're, they're going to, it's going to be good. They will be very helpful, very real, um, all that kind of stuff. Do, do we have anything else? Am I done? Have I rambled enough tonight? Yeah, if you need to ride, meet here. If you want to ride with some guys, I know a lot of guys go straight from work. I'll already be up there early, but there'll be some men, I think, meeting Colin or somebody here at 4, and we'll kind of organize and go from there. So can we pray together tonight?